What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. So here we are starting another episode of the show. Last week, I was talking about just the the beginning of the year and uh, went into my little trip to uh, Spain, last minute dash, and uh, some of the fun and games that goes around trying to close a deal at Christmas, especially a foreign real estate deal. This week, it's going to be a little bit different. I am bringing a good friend of mine on board. But before we go there, I thought, uh, I mean, the first thing that came to mind when I started thinking about today's uh, opener of the show was, uh, you know, God, 2020, what a year, but already 2021 is looking even worse. And I'm kind of saying 2020, come back, you know, all is forgiven. We've got the US politics, the kind of train wreck that that we saw last week with the Congress getting invaded by all these headbangers. And then uh, yesterday there was the first or the, the, the heaviest snowfall in Madrid in over 50 years. And those guys are sitting in sort of like a half a meter of snow in the middle of Madrid, which is usually in the f- you know, mid 40s uh, you know, degrees Celsius in the summer. And then here in Ireland and and across the UK and and uh, obviously much of the world really is suffering from COVID-19 and we're in our second proper lockdown. I mean, when I mean proper lockdown, I mean schools are closed, everything is closed, everything is shut down, retail is shut down. And so it's and all the pubs are closed and you can't even do you can't even buy there was a thing called pints uh, to go where you could kind of go up and get a pint of whatever you wanted to drink and and kind of have it outside the pub that's all stopped as well because it was creating all these congregations of people so it has been a pretty rough start to 2021 and um, having said that remember the mindset's everything and really the difference between you having a good 2021 and a bad 2021 all takes place in the mind and how you're going to deal with it so um, I thought I would give you a quick update as well, something that's completely new and a few of you will probably have heard of it, but there's a new app out there. Now it's only available on iOS at the moment, so only on Apple iPhones, but it's called Clubhouse. And it is this raving, everyone's raving about it. And it's, it's something that I've just joined yesterday and I'm now live on it. But it's basically, it's a live, it's kind of like a live podcasting app where um, now it's only in its beta it's only a beta version of it so they're in it's an invite only you can't just go in and join you have to be invited but anyone who wants to join um, you know I'll be happy to invite you just like let me know Um, but basically you go in there and you can actually have live conversations with people so I was actually on a call earlier with Grant Cardone I I wasn't talking to the guy but I was listening to him speak and if anyone else follows Rob Moore um, a real estate guy in the UK. Um, Rob was talking as well, and I've been listening. And you can basically get, put your hand up, and you can actually interact and stuff if you've got something to say. And I was invited into one of the calls, but uh, I was actually in the middle of eating lunch, so it wasn't going to be a possible one for me. But I'm thinking to actually um, do a weekly uh, show on that app and to make it kind of like a, an interactive Q&A 
So uh, maybe maybe I'll make it a lunchtime thing or maybe I'll make it a kind of an evening thing. You might actually let me know if you guys don't mind. Would you message me if you're interested in being a part of this clubhouse thing? Let me know whether what would be the best time to have kind of a Q&A interactive session with you guys. Probably be, say, an hour long and we'll get into anything a little bit like the, the live Facebooks. Um, but this is a this thing seems to be um, completely open, so you could actually end up with a much bigger audience asking questions. Another thing uh, before we get into the guest today's guest, I wanted to bring up, and this is kind of a serious thing, is um, protecting yourself from fraud. And um, it actually it's just come to light that uh, somebody contacted me during the week um, last week um, he, through LinkedIn. And he had a bit of an issue, and I'm actually going to talk um, about this with our guest today. But he 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 was on to me about this company that I'm a director of, and um, the company's called Cashel Fund. And it turns out that some scammers have actually gone out and created a website that said that pretends to be Cashel Fund, which is the business that I'm a part of, and. They're out there fundraising for investments and you can go and invest with Gavin Gallagher and you can put your money into these great deals and it's guaranteed return and all this kind of stuff. And it kind of sounds a little bit too good to be true. Often it is too good to be true. So that's something to to bear in mind. Anyway, just to, to make it absolutely crystal clear, I am not out there at the moment doing any kind of fundraising whatsoever. I'm not looking to raise money. I don't have any products out there that are sort of buying or selling or anything like that. So do not be fooled by anybody trying to pretend to be me or to be raising money or whatever. And this poor guy got hoodwinked by these scammers and um, he's actually gone and lost over $85,000 US. And he put it into this investment. These guys, he said that they had an English accent and they sent him a letter and the letter was on headed paper from the same Cashel Fund. And I'm a director of Cashel Fund, but this is all kind of fake. And um, anyway, this this poor guy has lost a, a fortune um, to these scammers. And I'd be doubtful that he'll actually get that money back because these these guys usually, you know, are fairly mobile and they'll just disappear and they'll sh- shut up shop and you won't hear from them again. Um, but anyway, and just so it's just so it's all very clear, in the event that I ever did some sort of a crowdfunding or with you guys or anything like that, you know, I've raised uh, I raised twelve million for a project before, and I and it was from twenty seven different investors, and there is a lot of hoops to jump through in order to actually do a fundraising. Um, I mean, there's legal agreements and you have, uh, you know, a law firm that sets up an escrow account that holds the money until everything is correct and in place. Um, you, a lot of the time you're actually in a position to go and view the assets so you can actually meet me and I'd bring you and I'd show you the project. That's how I did it before with these people that we actually traveled to Spain together and we actually hired a car and we went and we viewed the, you know, the um, the project together. Uh, this is not something where I put a couple of photographs up on a website and and then I sort of say, right, guys, just transfer the money to my bank account and, you know, you'll be in. That just doesn't happen. It's got to be done through a reputable law firm where your money is, you know, carefully kept and, you know, it's it's all kind of properly documented. So just 
be aware of that. The reason I'm mentioning it on this particular thing is that our guest today is Mr. Jason Greystone, and he's a really good friend of mine based in the UK. Um, but he is actually a guy that suffers from this as well. He has hundreds of people pretending to be him actually out there creating fake Instagram accounts. And then they contact you and they say, hi, it's Jason. Uh, you know, I know you listen to my podcast or this or that, and I'd like you to go and invest with me. And he has, you know, people threatening to sue him for taking money and he has never heard of these people before and it turns out that you know they were scammed by somebody so just thought i wanted to bring it up that um that you know this is a, a real risk these days with you know especially with covid because everyone's moved online you, you're not allowed to go and meet people generally speaking and so it's very easy to get scammed and hoodwinked and so just thought i would bring that up so getting into Jason now, Jason is a, a really interesting guy and I wanted to bring him on for a different reason. Normally I bring, you know, real estate professionals or people that have, you know, a really interesting angle on the real estate. And today it's different because uh, Jason is not a real estate investor and I wanted to bring him on to kind of give you guys a different perspective on wealth creation. And he, you know, it's always a good idea to keep an open mind and so Jason started from very humble beginnings on a, and he'll explain today himself, but he started on a council flat and went on, became an electrician. And but he had this ambition and this drive to be financially independent. And he went out and he taught himself how to trade um, on, the, on the financial markets. And he did all of this and he's going to go into a lot of that today. And what he's done since is create a, a course, an online course on how to actually become financially independent yourself. And I'm actually a member of this program and it's really, really good. I, I thoroughly recommend it. I'm actually going to put a link to it in the show notes. And um, rather than spoil all of the uh, great sort of wisdom that uh, Jason is going to sort of impart today, I'll, let it, I'll, I'll go straight through to it. But just be aware, Jason is quite the influencer himself. He has a podcast of his own called Always Free and he has more than 50,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel, 18,000 people following on Instagram. So he has quite a great um, number of people following him and um, so he's interesting guy with some great perspectives and uh, without further ado, Mr. Jason Greystone. Welcome uh, Jason, great to have you on board. How are you doing mate? I'm um, very well, thanks. Gavin, it's, uh, it's great to great to catch up again. It's great to catch up indeed. Um, one of the, uh, uh, well, the listeners will actually be familiar with your name, Jason, because if you go back to episode number two of my podcast, I actually played this keynote talk I gave in London. And if you remember, I gave you a shout out at the beginning of the, yeah. of the talk because you showed up uh, and that was actually just about a week or two before lockdown, the first lockdown. So it's been quite- It was, a it was a great talk as well. Yeah, thanks very much. Well, the um, it's been it's been quite a year, and uh, before we get into lockdown and number two and all of the kind of stuff we're going to go into, as I normally start the conversations, I always ask my guest to give us a little backstory. You know, just paint a picture of your story, kind of up to now, maybe, and give people a little idea of who you are. Yeah, sure. So, um, growing up, it was just me and my mum until I was about six. My dad uh, left before I was born. And the reason I always like to mention that is because I always had this kind of really, really early memories of growing up in this kind of 
council estate with my mum and um and and having really no money like literally bailiffs knocking on the door for the electricity and we have to switch all the lights off and pretend we're not home and hide behind the sofa and all that kind of stuff right so um growing up obviously my, my stepdad came into the scene when i was about six we still lived on a council estate he was an electrician and we were surrounded by lots of kind of diff of, of diversity of different people on the estate um and they all seem to have negative views towards money as well. And growing up, I just guess I had a high value on not being like that. I, 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 I wanted, I knew that I wanted something different uh, early on in my life. And soon as I, soon as I, you know, had the chance, I started being a bit more innovative in, in business, in my job and trying to serve a bit more. I wanted more money um and then i kind of realized that if you use money a certain way that's slightly different to what i was used to growing up you can actually use it to your advantage um and and you can look, kind of leverage your time and you actually enjoy money and you appreciate it for what it is so when i found that out i, I felt found a love for business entrepreneurship um investing and really really being you know very very clever with my money and 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 i kind of put a plan together to become financially free um which is something i set out to do when i had my own my first son which i wasn't ready for and then since then i've kind of um i i found myself in a place where i had enough free time to to help even more so i, I create businesses and i kind of spend my days teaching the message of financial freedom which i think is massively important and i think this year has really uh has really exaggerated the importance of that point big time yeah well thanks yeah. for the yeah thanks for the intro and actually i can remember from our previous conversation you actually started out um with your own business in the in the construction kind of area wasn't that yeah. right yeah, yeah i was uh, i i was I built a business. The first business that I started uh, was when I was 20, 23. And um, I built a business up about three, four million pounds, something like that. It was, uh, a, it was a, a con in the construction industry and it was intelligent control systems. And BMS, um, BMS for those of you who know, who, who know what that is. And I was really passionate about that. But again, I was passionate about changing the way that that was delivered um and the thing is the construction industry as you know it's as we were just talking about it's a little bit prehistoric um in terms of the how it's managed and 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 that is something that i know lots of entrepreneurs are trying to crack right now mm. and for me it was just a massive frustration because technology moves at 18 month cycles and construction industries 50 year cycles and that's a massive clash and when you're you're trying to butt heads with someone who wants to value engineer your work to to kind of just get the money and get the profit margin and you're trying to give the user what they want and you've got to explain at the end why they haven't got what they want it's uh i found myself getting a little bit burned out doing that you're so, probably a bit um, early as well i mean the prop tech revolution has come now but you that's were, right you were trying to do it early weren't you well, we were creating it. Yeah, we were basically f figuring out all of the things that were wrong so that everything could now become seamlessly integrated. And we were we were trying to integrate it back then. And uh, that was where all the frustration came from. But also when I was in that business, it was the 
it was in a phase of my financial freedom journey. So I, before I started the business, I set out to completely replace my income through passive investments um, that would pay me a, a passive income, wouldn't require my time. So that's what I set out to do. And what I found out was there was only so far I could go by investing my own income and growing my savings and accelerating my savings and all that. I, ha I had to actually increase my income. So that's when I started the business. And because I started a business with an objective to get out, I never wanted to stay in that industry. I wanted to get out and be completely free. Um, I didn't treat the business as a normal business. I was basically abusing the, the revenue. So it was very thin. Although we were pulling in a lot of money, it was a thin, uh, volatile kind of cash flow where we couldn't get the staff we needed. We couldn't really, we didn't really have too much leverage. And, um, and that come with a lot of stress as well. So like I was desperate to kind of get that, you know, accelerate my own wealth creation journey so I could get out of it. Um, and then towards the end, I become so frustrated that I got into speculation. And that's, you know, that's really the last, that was where I spent about three years in a dark place <laughs> trying to learn trying to trying to trying to nail that down and, and manage a business and manage a family and you know everything else that was going on and lose hair and 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 uh so you man, were burning the some, candle at both ends definitely I, I would come home i would come home at like five six see my family 10 o'clock i would start my second you know journey till 2 a.m in the morning every morning every saturday in costa coffee Sunday half day in Costa Coffee, just testing charts, and you know it's it was a three year journey, education. man. And yeah. yeah, it was a it was a it was a it was a one and a half year ed education of losing money, figuring out what doesn't work, and then a one and a half year journey, kind of building up consistency and and becoming profitable consistently. And that that was a it was a deep self discovery process but we got there in the end and then you know it was a it was a three year essentially a three and a half year income replacement and then i just ditched the business so right, okay. it, it was um, yeah well, i was, was in a place i i got into the place where you know i didn't need loads of money but what i had was i was bringing in enough passively and semi passively you know my trading didn't take too much time but i could live and cover my living costs with that income and and it was it, immediately an eye-opener because i thought now i've got so much time yeah you know, i almost felt like i had to go I, I almost felt like i wasn't worthy at that point i, I felt like you know oh, uh, i would find myself just on my laptop just feeling like i was at work because i'd spent so many years working and at that point i didn't need to and um it's right i found it's kind <laughs> of a retirement yeah but I, I realized that retirement isn't a thing it's you know you never just you never want to just switch off and that's it. Like it, that, you, humans just don't want to do that. You want to, you want to grow and you want to experience things and you want to have be fulfilled. Right. So I had all this time and then I realized that I could actually teach people stuff and, you know, I'd let people watch me trade for free and I was kind of getting involved with all these forums and putting my name out there a little bit. And then I realized that that was a scammy industry and uh, there were some changes that, I became passionate about making in that industry. So that's where I pretty much where I am today. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's exactly, I mean, I thought it would be great to speak to you because a lot of our listeners are young guys kind of trying to get on the property ladder. And mm -hmm. I get quite a few questions on, 
how do you, you know, recommend getting started and how do you put together, you know, the initial, you know, capital that you need to put, say, a deposit down on a property or something. And you've kind of described exactly that experience in yourself that you, you know, basically working day and night, you know, on a separate kind of um, uh, venture yeah. in order to kind of figure that one out. So have you got any suggestions on ways to go about, you know, saving up that nest egg that people need to get started? Yeah, I, I, I was talking about this on my podcast today, actually. And, and the way that a lot of people feel like, uh, I think sometimes people just, it's not thinking outside the box. They just don't take it back to basics. Um, and what I always start with is the on, there's only one way to get money, and that is from other humans, right? Because we're the only people that use money. And there's two ways to get it. You either provide a service to them, and value to them, whether you're in a job or whether you've got your own business, or you beat them at a sport or a skill using a skill like trading or boxing or golf or whatever it is. And so you've got a positive sum where there's a win-win and a zero sum where there's a win-lose, which you've both agreed to take part in. And when you understand that, you can see that the easiest way is to serve people, right? Because a skill is going to take up so much of your time to learn. And if you're already trying, if you're already struggling to save a deposit, it means that you're not in a position where you're earning enough money, right? So, or, or you're not controlling your lifestyle costs to the right degree. You're spending way more than you earn. So the first port of call would be to think, how can I increase my service? How can I be more of service to people? Because it doesn't cost anything to do that. You can you can go and get another job or you can just look at your business and go, right, how can we give massive value here? How can we really invest in this business to provide more value to people and things with, with social media and all the rest of it now? I mean, it's, 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 I always say it's like, it's almost guaranteed that you can create more income now because all you've got to do is consistently show up and do something for someone. And you will, it, there's without a shadow of a doubt, Every single person on YouTube right now who's been doing it consistently every day and every week has done well. The, the numbers just go up and up and up. They never drop. So there's that. And then that would be my first port of call. If you're looking to learn a skill, if you're looking to learn to trade or invest and grow your money that way, the thing is it's going to require a lot of time and effort because you're learning a skill. Tiger Woods didn't spend five minutes as a hobby doing golf you know it was it was a full-time gig so if you're trying to do that whilst you've got a job that's not bringing in you enough money to save a deposit it's almost like a, a recipe for disaster you're going to get burnout and you're going to become very very stressed and what that causes people to do is seek the next shiny object because what you do is you just go this isn't working i'm running out of time I need to go and do something else. This person's buying Bitcoin. This person's buying, you know, what should I look at next? And you go around in this cycle forever and ever and ever. So mm. the way that I teach people is to get, is to, um, first of all, um, just save some, save, set up your savings for a start. And even if you don't think that you're saving at a rate that's going to get you a deposit on a property, I tell you what it will do if it covers three, six months of your lifestyle costs, right? Just having that sit in there will naturally um, cause you to earn more money because your mind thinks differently. So I'll give you an example. Buffer. Yeah. <clears throat> a buffer. Yeah. So there's a, but there's a, if he was a builder, for instance, 
which many of your, your listeners might be, or they might deal with builders, if they had no savings and they're trying to save and they go and do some work on your house and then you ring them up and say, look, um, I'm not happy with some of the stuff. I've just got a snag list. They're desperate to be paid. So if you say, I'm not going to pay you until you've sorted the snags out, if that guy hasn't got any cash cushions, his survival is is dependent on you paying them. So he's going to come across quite aggressive and very short. And what, you know, what do you mean you've got snags? And, and he'll become very, very defensive. Mm. Whereas if that builder has three to six months living costs stashed in the bank and you ring the same guy up and say, listen, I've got your money, but I just want you to sort out these snags. Completely different attitude. No worries. I'll be around. I want to make sure you're happy. Let's get all this dealt with. Let's sort this out. Cause you're not thinking about, I'm going to starve tomorrow. You don't have so to you go around the house. Yeah. So you, you go down to the house, you sort it out. Are you all happy now? Is everything okay? Are you sure? And then it's, wow, what an amazing experience working with this builder. You get more clients, you get recommended. Whereas the other builder never work in view again they probably won't even pay you all the money you know mm. so it's a completely people don't think about that kind of income growth because it's almost intangible but it's it's there so if you don't have any money i always say look if you don't have any money and you don't have any savings it's just like a trading account don't put any money in a trading account trade save cash first to cover your lifestyle right and then anything extra start putting towards a skill or another speculation because a property is a speculation just like a trading account right it's yeah you are going into one whenever you're going into one asset it's a speculation if you're going into buying a piece of art or a piece of jewelry or a fine wine it's a speculation because it's one thing and, mm. and, the, and the more the more diversified it, the assets become the less of a speculation it is so it doesn't it doesn't quite work. You, you know, if you're putting everything you've saved into the deposit of a house, your the whole strategy is jeopardized, in my opinion. Yeah, because, well, you have that kind of everything is all on that one investment and you don't have yeah. any fallback. And if you lose your job, you're, you're, you know, you're screwed because you have to go and try and sell that property to release the equity or whatever it is. Yeah, and, the buffer and if you're, is super if you're Definitely. And if your motivation is to become a landlord, it's even worse because as it is, I see a lot of landlords make the mistake of not treating their, their property tenants. like a business and tenants are your clients. Like it, I see this whole kind of on the landlord boss kind of thing. And you owe me, that's not how any business works. Everything's about fair exchange and you know, they're your clients. How about putting a big bow on the door and some champagne and sending them a birthday card and all this kind of stuff seems to go out the window with uh, with la a lot of landlords if you've just put all your money into that thing you're going to be aggressive to your tenants you're and in the same and in the same way that you would do your due diligence before you buy an investment you do your due diligence on the tenant as well and you make sure that you've brought somebody in who has good income and you know good uh, references and all that and then you treat them like a king and you basically make sure that they you know lavish attention on we do exactly that with the business park that i run is that we, you know we take exactly. care of all of the tenants to make sure that they're not unsatisfied and it's not a us versus them attitude that you bring to it you have to have a kind of win-win attitude that's a, that's a great point. And, and I think everyone, if, if everyone could understand that everyone is just looking out for themselves, everyone's asking themselves, what's, what's in this deal for me? Then you realize that, that they've got 
something that needs fulfilling and they need a place to live and they need some nice, you know, they need certain things to make them happy. And your job is there to make sure that they get what they need so that they give you what you need. And that's the entire game. You know, it really is the entire game. And uh, mm. when we talk about serving people, that's, that's how you go about it. And I always say like, you have a cash buffer there and that allows you to think more creatively you know, how can I be a better employee? How can I be, how can I help my boss more and take more off of his shoulders? You'll naturally get paid more. There's, 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 and if you don't, you'll be in a position where you can kind of pull some levers a bit more. Mm, yeah. And you have your, you can kind of chart your own course as well if you're in that position, because if you, if you, if you're not happy with the progress that you're making with your boss, then you can say, you know what, I can do this myself or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have options. Basically. So, I mean, I, I, I'm always of the opinion that I love serving. Like I, I wake up every day thinking, what can I build? You know, how can I help people? I'm always asking people how, what they're struggling with, what, what's on their mind, because I'm in a space where I've got enough time to think that I think beyond me, you know, I don't, I'm taken care of. So I'm not thinking about paying the bills and, um, Although that's a, you know, that's some achievement to get, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm very, very grateful to be in a position I'm in, but you you don't have to be completely financially free to be in that position. You just have to have a little stash there that that keeps your, your animal brain um, quiet that, that allows this new part of your brain to kind of come alive and be a bit more caring and creative. And, and as a byproduct of that, you can't not earn more money because, you're more creative, yeah. You're more creative, and I, and I just think I, I'm a massive believer that the the whole world is kind of this balancing mechanism, and and I see people go out there, and when you're too generous and you give things away for free, eventually you get recommended so much that people want to, that you can't not get paid more. Mm. And if you're out there charging too much and not providing too much value, you'll get humbled, and they'll say that's a rip off. Don't go to them. Don't go to them, and you'll and you'll get less. So the best way is just to come up and be very, very uh, creative, very valuable, provide a service and charge well for it. And, and that's it. And, and you will get paid. Fair exchange, as you say. Fair exchange rules the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me this uh, influences growing up. Do you have any kind of uh, I don't like the word heroes, but people that kind of influenced you in, in your journey? Yeah, the first um, actually when I was a um, at school i stole a book from the library and it was uh it was the virgin way by richard branson and uh, i was always fascinated with richard branson and i don't know why yeah i must have been like 13 maybe when i took the book 14 and um i just found the, the the thought of there being someone that well known because obviously everyone's well known now right <laughs> but but you just go on social media and kind of uh, get a load of followers but right back then it was like a few people and you, you he had this book and he, there was pictures of him creating a, a, an airline and, and and he didn't just have an airline he had like a record shop and he had you know he had a, a n- newspaper in hospital when he, when he was in hospital and I, yeah. I just found I'd, I found that really fascinating that someone could just go to hospital, start a magazine. And I love that idea because at the time I'd just done this kind of car wash on our estate and running the car wash at that point, I realized that um, actually 
if you invest the money that you earn into more buckets and sponges, you can get more friends working for you and, uh, and you can actually just not do it. And you just knock on the door, collect the money, you know, go and sell the car washes. That was a massive eye opener for me. And uh, I think seeing that book by Richard Branson just really, uh, you know, I was already in that position where he was like leveraging influence and coming up with ideas. He, he had his, he was in a hospital and he was selling a magazine. I, I just thought it was really cool. So Richard Branson, uh, was one of them massive um, massive influence on me later on in life is uh, Dr. John Demartini. Um, he's one of my you know the most biggest mentors uh, I would say. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know anyone who's really dedicated to a craft, anyone who can put in, anyone to like Tom Cruise, you know people who go above and beyond for their craft to give the 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 user. Um, just unbelievable value and wow factor. I, I, I love that quality. And um, I always think that if you're going to do something, do it really, really well. And uh, otherwise there's no point. Yeah. So, so yeah, those types of people. Um, and then there's obviously many, many more Ray Dalio, Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham, um, all those kind of people that dedicated their lives. Napoleon Hill, literally dedicating your lives to, you know, giving the world a message. And uh, I think that's incredible. You've followed that path yourself. You've become a bit of an influencer in your own right with your, I mean, you have a big social media following and things like that. How did you go about sort of starting that and building it up? Because it does take time and some people never crack it. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I've cracked it by any stretch. I mean, I've, I've nowhere near done as much as I, I could have, but at the end of the day, I was an electrician. So I'd never spoke on camera. Um, I found myself in this place, as I said earlier, where I had a gift of teaching people how to, uh, I, I, could, I kind of found that I had this way of um, taking complex strategies and being able to explain them in a way that people understand because I was quite stupid at school. I, I didn't, I lacked intelligence at school. I failed all my GCSEs. So um, I kind of, True I was happy. So. <laughs> as i say you know the entrepreneurs are tend not to be very academic in school so no it's proof no. Of it. <laughs> not academic no I, I got an a in art and that was it but i am um, right so uh where were we where were we um well you were saying that you're you were scared of the camera and yes yeah scared of the camera right so yeah i had this message and i thought well if i'm gonna have to change you know if i'm gonna have to change the industry i'm gonna have to start speaking a little bit and um i started looking around at who was good talking good at talking at the time and i saw you know tony robbins and a few other people and then i looked at his coach who um was a guy called roger love who's a, a vocal coach and he's like teach he he, he teaches like um, Destiny's Child and Michael Jackson and Tony Robbins and all these like massive uh, vocalists. And I watched some tips from him, picked up a camera, and I sat there for like four hours recording a three-minute video. And I actually posted this first attempt out on my social media. So if you've seen it. my Instagram, you'll, you'll see it. And it's uh, that's only a four-minute clip, but. You know, it went on for like four hours of, of just messing around, changing my shirt because I was sweating. Um, you know, I was honestly, it was horrendous. I'd never spoke to a camera before in my life. And that was like four years ago. So what I, what I realized was 
after I'd done that and polished it up and edited it to the point where it went out on YouTube, all they see is me smiling and a perfect clip. And, uh, and I thought to myself, it can only get easier now. <laughs> so, so I, I learned a lot about what didn't work. And then I just realized I've just got to keep doing this and it can only get better and better. And, um, what I learned from, uh, from, from what works is to take on board, uh, listen to people who are, are questioning things and use that, those questions to create more, uh, talking points. Um, because that's what, what people want to hear about. Don't just put out what you think they want to hear about actually ask and and go and kind of double down on what they're asking you and the common questions um consistency showing up all the time and you know on time so that people build trust with you and also don't just do not try to please everyone you know just be you and have be polarizing to your beliefs and your opinions because if you're out there being a bit i mean social media is so noisy now right it's so like people are so it's so confusing but also people have got this kind of bullshit meter that is really really finely attuned and, it, and it's like you need to cut through that so if you're out there again trying to keep everyone happy you know hello you know it's uh it's not going to work you need to be very polarizing you need to be very this is my opinions this is my views and then you just want the people that agree with you like you, this is why I don't get the whole thing with haters and all this kind of stuff and negative comments. Who cares? Like, it, it, honestly, it, not every, I think it's bizarre that people think everyone's going to agree with what you're saying. Cause it's, as it goes back to the whole balancing, right? There's obviously going to be an opposing opinion to every single thing you say. So yeah. why would you expect everyone to don't get so hurt about people? Like who cares? Now, the fact that they've gone out of their way to type in a negative comment, yes, that, that just says a lot about them. But but who who cares? You know, so be true to your message. Get 100 people to absolutely, you know, hang on your every word. And then you've got a really, the start of a really good business, you know, and, and a relationship with 100 people that you can now take on a, take on a journey and serve. And, um, you know, it doesn't take... But you start thinking about, you know, you, you charge 50 pounds a month or 100 pounds a month for some kind of product and 100 times 100, you know, you, you start to see where this, this money is going to start coming from. And then your deposit for your property doesn't take much time. Great advice. Tell me, uh, Jason, in terms of mindset shifts that you've had over the years, does anything stand out as, you know, you used to think one way, but but then you know, through your journey and your, you know, what you've read and learned about and stuff. Have you, is anything kind of stand out as particularly mind shift set, you know, change yeah. in direction? Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things that really, really stick out. One is um, just a message from my old boss when I was like 19 years old, this guy called George Turnbull, who kind of took me under his wing and he was one of these guys that had really done everything you know he'd been a carpenter and he'd, he'd try his hand at everything and he'd always done well he'd always provided and was really excelling in his in his life and um one day we was having this conversation and uh he came out with this quote that was um to be in business you have to be in business and at the time i remember him saying it to me and he i just i didn't really understand what he what he meant and then later on we was at this job and I was kind of struggling with something and I was, you know, thinking about 
oh, that didn't work or it didn't go quite how I liked. And, you know, I'm going to start. And he said, what happened with that? And I said, oh, I didn't do it because it didn't work. And he said, to be in business, you have to be in business. And what, what it means is you, you have to, to be in business, to stay in business, you just have to keep doing it. You have to just keep like going and going and making mistakes and learning and growing and expecting failures. And, and just, if you don't, then you're not, you know, you're just going to sit there and you're not in business. You're not, you're going to complain. And that really seems simple, but when you think about it, you see a lot of people who are just, they're so, they feel like they've got to be the best from day one and it stops them from even doing anything. Like there was a kid the other day who says, oh, it's really difficult to blow up on YouTube in that certain category because, you know, someone else has done it. And you think, what, so you're not going to even bother because you, you need to blow up. You don't need to blow up. You need a hundred people to love you. Like literally, that yeah. is it. It's, it's that's, so that's true. It's like what, yeah. uh, I mean, I see the amount of young entrepreneurs that start a business, not because of their passion or their idea, but because, you know, they like the lifestyle that they see Mark Zuckerberg has or somebody like, you know, yeah. and of course those are one in a billion or, or, or one in five billion kind of, you know, situations. And, you know, the likelihood is the business is going to fail or, you know, you're going to have to do it two or three times before you get it right. And this assumption okay. or, or, or like, you know, there's, there's YouTubers like Casey Neistat and like, you know, he's got 12 million followers or whatever, like the amount of people that achieve that milestone is very, very small, but people, but they think that's, yeah. that's what the goal has to be or else I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, you know? Yeah. But they don't see the consistency and the years before, you know, everyone yeah. started and, like, the, and the grind. Yeah. The grind, like editing all those videos. I mean, YouTube, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't really like this term YouTuber anymore. It's like, um, all the, and it, some people are classified as workaholics. And then there's YouTubers. And all a YouTuber is, is a workaholic. Uh, but they're not a workaholic. All they've done is figured out how to do what they love every minute of the day, which call it a workaholic if you like, but that's really what everyone wants to do. That is yeah. what everyone wants to be in that position. So it's crazy because it's two different, two different labels, but the same thing. Um, and and it, it blows my mind. The other, the other really kind of mind shifting thing was this whole concept of, you know, good and bad. One thing's good. One thing's bad. And really just having this, you know, oh, I mustn't do that or I must do that or I should do this or I shouldn't do that. Or that's good. That's bad. And when you realize that actually, you know, everything's just, good and bad in someone's eyes um it allows you to be a little bit more um poised and kind of um proposed as as you as you approach certain situations because you just understand it from a point of view of them and you understand it from a point of view of you and all the other alternative point of views there could be towards you and when you're not when you understand that concept you don't really get to hurt or bogged down or you don't overthink things and and it allows you to process issues and information pretty quickly which allows you to move forward so if someone comes to me and, and says oh you know this has happened or that has happened I immediately think what do we need to do to move forward you know what's the next thing what's the next thing I never go oh why has this happened you know what, what what's going on why me you know, I don't really get too bogged down in that. And that's because I understand that there isn't really any good and bad. Everything, I think everything happens for a reason. And I know that's a bit cliche, but there's always a positive and a negative, And there's always a negative and a positive. And the reason I, I 
embrace that so much is because I'm out there in the markets every day with people telling me that, you know, it's a good market, it's a bad market. And I'm just thinking, well, it's not in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I like it better in the middle. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's actually, I was going to ask you your, your opinions on property versus, you know, stock trading versus Bitcoin and crypto. There's so many different choices out there. And, and a lot of people, you know, pin their, their hopes and dreams on one particular one. And that's something that I've, one of the mistakes I've made in my past is that I was 99.9% invested in the stock, in, in, in the property market. Property. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, because of leverage and things like that, that tends to happen. But um, what are your insights on building a, a balanced portfolio, I guess? <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, as I said earlier, like a speculation, I believe you have to earn your right to risk. And I look at everything in terms of um, speculation and the level of speculation that it is. So if uh, the way that I like to build, first of all, on property and stocks, the way that I look at property and stocks is for my own personality, um, I like to invest in things that grow naturally, okay? And when I say grow naturally, I'm talking about if I invest in Apple and I'm asleep one night and a company comes out like um, Spotify and they create this amazing service that's like music, uh, a subscription, whilst I'm sleeping, the best minds in the planet are getting around the table to go, how can we compete with Spotify? And I'm asleep in bed and they're creating this whole product and service to innovate and help people and provide value to people in positive some businesses. And they're creating these products whilst I'm asleep and it's growing. So minds and human beings will innovate and grow. My thing with property is if I was to put too much in property, properties the opposite so property will always decay and and deteriorate and there's always maintenance and there's always kind of the roof decaying and the bricks decaying and the fence and the grass and all and the windows and the pvc so although you can do very very well in property again for me it is a speculation that you have to work hard at to master the art of and get on top of so that it provides you a return so many people do well in property but from my point of view and, and my strategy, I just like to invest in things that grow um, without me having to do too much. So the way that I, that's not to say that I wouldn't invest in property. Uh, I'll explain, uh, I'll explain how, how I do that. But the way that I structure my entire investment portfolio is first of all, like a, a pyramid. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a pyramid and I'm thinking the lower down the pyramid the less effort, the less time, the less skill, the less risk is involved. The top of the pyramid, the highest effort, highest skill, and highest leverage and all the rest of it, the highest speculation. And the more money to be earned, less, more returns, less returns. So the bottom layer will just be cash because that will allow me to free up my, you know, to free up my mind. So having the those buffer. living costs there. Yeah, the buffer and that and that what a high interest account one percent a year maybe if if you're lucky, so we've got that happy with that you keep that there and you never touch it. Then I kind of scale into investments in terms of um high, like diversified low risk and passive to very very active and high speculation and high returns. So the next thing would be like a diversified fund. 
where I'm investing in tiny pieces of hundreds of companies that are the best performing companies in the world that then, um, you know, I can, I can happily put some money into the market knowing that, yes, there's a lower return in my particular, um, in my particular performance, it's been seven and a half to 10% on average over the last, since I've been investing. So I'm happy to do that. And then once I've got another buffer working for me there, then I'll look at the next level of um, higher speculation. And that might be individual large cap stocks. So buying a portion of Apple, buying a portion of a stock and having that work for me. Because by the time I've done that, I've got money working for me down here, money sitting in the bank and it can't crumble. So it's almost like if that goes to pot, who cares? You know, and it, and it just it psychologically sets you up for successful investing. And then I might look at medium cap, then small cap, and then I might look at startups, penny stocks or something like that. And then I've got a speculation section of my account, which is really where all of my effort and attention has gone to by building the skill of trading the financial markets. Um, and then there's levels of that as well. So I will allocate um, via my um, capital rebalancing so that I've got bottom heavy all the time. So most of it is at the bottom. And then the smallest amount is at the top. And then even the top portion is in categories and allocations as well. So at the top, I could take a small portion of that and chuck it into a complete punt. And by the time I've done that, I don't care about the money. It's like I can take a, a 20 grand, 25 grand and put it into a Bitcoin, which I did in October 2018 publicly. And, um, and then not care what happens. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then I can put it into something else or, or like a hot stock. But that, that takes a lot of, you know, I've earned a, a, a right to that risk. I've got to a position where I can actually do that. But that's right at the end. And people don't see that. They see the, oh, you got really well done with Bitcoin. You know, what can I invest in? What can I, what hot stock tip can I put my money in? And you think. That's where the mistakes put, are made. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting everything you've got into a gamble. Um, that is not a wise idea. So, yeah. So going back to the property thing, property will be in my speculation account. So I will you know, take some money, I could flip a property or down in the, the kind of midsection of my investment account, I'll invest in things like real, real estate investment trusts, which are almost the same as, a, as an index fund, but in property. So some yeah. of the senior housing property REITs I've got and, um, you know, they're, they're doing quite well. And um, you don't have to actually own the bricks and mortar, which suits me better because I'm not a property person. It's just like me going to a property guy and say, oh, you've done well in property. I don't want to do that. And they go, I wouldn't want to touch Forex, you know, because okay. I'm, I'm a property guy. Well, it's, it's like exactly you say, that when, it's like when you said about Apple and the best minds. I mean, if you, if you don't want to get your hands dirty, then giving your money to a REIT is probably a great thing because those are the best minds in the property sector yeah. and they have their sleeves rolled right up and they have specialists in you know development and specialists in rental and all of that and so you've got the best minds working on your behalf and they'll scrape a little bit of a fee off for themselves of course but that's that goes with the with the territory you know absolutely and and also not only are they good minds like running the businesses but they the people that manage those funds like you say they're monitoring them constantly and if there's a you know, there's a relegation zone. They just kick out the ones that are not performing and get in the ones that are. And that's a mm -hmm. continuous process. Every 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 uh, quarter, every earnings season, 
the top 500 companies are being analyzed and if someone isn't performing they get them out get the new ones in so that S&P 500 for instance is human evolution that chart is human evolution in my opinion and if it ever goes down to a point where you know it's it's really dropping then we've got more bigger fish to fry than where to put our money that's literally the planet's ending <laughs> you know? yeah that's yeah. like goodbye humanity so uh, yeah and tell me this um it's it's funny we were chatting about this at the start um the area of fraud and defrauding and and things like that i noticed that you've had some problems before with people imitating you online and um, they've taken your your name and your instagram thing and they tried to create you know a clone account or anything i've had some experiences about that uh, earlier this week which i'll tell you about but tell us about your experiences in that regard you're getting a lot of yeah. people imitating you isn't that right uh, uh, yep yep i think that again it goes back to people just needing a quick buck and obviously it's not sustainable but they have set up i mean you just type my name into instagram and you'll see there's probably i'm not exaggerating hundreds of accounts uh in my name and they're essentially contacting people asking them to invest they've got all my official website in their bio and everything so if you click on that you're going to go through to my actual websites but actual them talking to you and contacting your whatsapp and things like that that is um that's all scam and uh you know we it's unfortunately it's been rife and i'm currently going through a load of uh, registered trademarks i'm registered trademark my name uh one lucky thing is that i'm actually the only jason graystone in the world there's one other guy in america who's got a graystone with spelt with an e but um, okay. i'm the only actual jason graystone so that's really helped me out in my favor of getting a registered trademark against my name and um we're going to be you know making some enforcements but the way that i look at the way that i look on it is it's not sustainable and, and why would you've obviously got a, a skill and you're obviously a bit spunky and you're obviously a bit you know entrepreneurial why would you put all that energy and effort into creating something that your is con like like what I think with property is constantly working against you? Uh, you're you're chase you're being chased. You're running away. No one's going to recommend you. So you're churning through customers. Um, people are after you, trying to shut you down. It's not original material. So you're ten you know you're ten steps behind all the time. So why do that when you could? clearly put all of that skill and effort into actually providing a real valuable service for someone and flip it on its head where people mm. will re recommend you people will be telling their friends about you and you'll be growing so it, honestly it, it it blows my mind because all you'll do is end up you might earn half a million a million pounds in the short term but you'll give it back and over time you'll have no more money than the average joe because yeah. One, you'll end up being humbled by the market and you'll have no clients left. So you'll have no, you know, you might earn a million pounds, but over 50 years, you'll have a million pounds, right? And plus, then there's all the fines that you're going to have to pay when you get caught. And then you're going to end up just, you know. Oh, it's it, amazing. This, it happened, um, not to me, but um, somebody imitating me um, actually scammed a guy recently and he contacted me through, uh, through LinkedIn the other day. And he just sort of asked me, can I confirm his investment in in this fund mm -hmm. and my name is actually part i am a director of a fund here in dublin and uh and this guy had you know done a search and saw my name and the fund so he saw oh, this looks genuine but he was talking to scammers who were letting on to be me 
and yeah. and he went and he invested eighty five thousand dollars in the thing and I, I you know I I hope he get you know has has you know, success in recovering that but I, I have a feeling the guy is going to get you know has just lost it all yeah. and it's just amazing yeah. how people they believe you know these stories and and these scammers can be quite um, can be quite convincing it, it happened to me when I was living in Spain years ago and I was trying to invest get, get I was doing this big project. And I had I had banking set up with with a bank, but the bank had these tough terms that were going to be hard to comply with when the recession started. And so I was looking for alternative finance. And this guy came along, from, and he was he, he he was working for a Swiss bank. He said, and right. uh, he 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 told me, okay, I'll I'll invest the money in your business. But he, only after he had made me jump through all these hoops and do all of this work and. I was producing spreadsheets and cash flow, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then um, after he told me, okay, I'll get, I'll invest the money in you. And it was a substantial sum of money. It was in the, you know, tens of millions and he was going to invest this. And the first time I suspected that there might be anything wrong, he asked me to transfer money into a bank account so that he could open, you know, a bank account in the Swiss, in the Swiss bank that he had. And, I kind of said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll put, you know, a couple of grand in for you or whatever. And he goes, oh, no, no, it needs to be 2 million euro. And that's when the penny dropped. And I realized this is a scammer. I cannot believe that I've been wasting my time for the last month with this guy. Wow. And only because of his greed. If he had said, yeah, 10 grand will do. He would have claimed yeah. me for 10 grand, you know, um, because yeah. I did not suspect the big numbers that we were talking about. It never even occurred to me, you know, five grand. Yeah, of course you'd open a bank account, you know. Yeah. And so it's just because of his own greed that he actually failed. He was actually going yeah. to get me otherwise. So I just, yeah. I wanted to kind of bring that story up just as a warning to yeah. listeners, because a lot of guys are out there that are saving up their money and they get, they get kind of hoodwinked and, and it, and it happens to the best of us as well. Like, I mean, there's guys out there that are very successful and they've been scammed, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, just 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 don't trust anyone. Like that, it's not hard to Google people now. And I would just say, like, Google people's names, do some research. You know, if you Google my name, you can look up reviews, what everyone's saying about me. And I often tell people to do that. You know, don't just don't even take my word for it. <laughs> and I'm the actual yeah. person. Go and actually read up on me before you even do business with me. And there's no real excuse as to, as, as to get scammed these days. It's very easy to, to do your research and um, please don't, you know, money, yeah. money is hard to, uh, to, to pull out of the economy and you've worked hard for it. You don't want to be just evaporating it over some, no, no, no. Yeah. But as I say, it will be un, in, it's not sustainable doing that. And uh, even if you don't get caught and you don't get, you know, and then you have no more clients left, the guilt will get to you eventually. And then that will be the humbling. You know, you'll, mm. want to, you'll, you'll feel so guilty that you'll want to give back. Well, I remember just another story from Spain, believe it or not. There was my daughter was very friendly. She was in this, this little local school and um um, I mean, she was only about three or four or something like that. But her her little friend that she had was this other little girl and the parents lived just a few doors down from us. And so we became quite friendly with them and they were they were running a restaurant in the area. And uh, and then suddenly they were gone overnight, just disappeared. 
And all of the staff working in the restaurant were suddenly, they hadn't been paid for the month. And the guy, they did a midnight run, basically got out of town, didn't pay anyone. So they owed all of this, all of these staff, like a month's wages. And uh, somebody actually stepped in and basically started running the restaurant. So fair play to him. But it turned out the story, they, they basically uprooted their lives because they were on the run from the Vatman in the UK. And they, they had actually done some sort of scam and they had, you know, basically ripped off their Vatman for so many, you know, whatever it was. And I think somebody had discovered them and they were about to be found out. So they had to go and get out of town. But imagine uprooting your young daughter who's now, who's got like a best friend and all this kind of stuff. And then just like that, because of this decision that you've made, you have yeah. got to go out there and, and do a midnight run. This- that is mad. And, and and that kind of goes back to my philosophy of, of no good and bad. I, I think if you're ever in a financial crisis, the best way out of it is to serve your way out of a financial crisis. Like just go and figure out how you can flip and make it work, you know, because there's always ways. Um, yeah. The best way out of a financial crisis is to go and serve and serve and serve and serve and you'll be all right. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about the yeah. other guy. Yeah. Um, yep. Tell me this, Jason. Um, I always ask this last question of everyone. What advice would you give to yourself, um, your 20 year old self or your sort of late teenage self, if you had the chance? Um, the biggest one is just question everything that you hear from people um, and don't take advice. So if someone's telling you to do something, the advice, one, if they're older, uh, usually the advice, if it's to peer or, or a family member, usually the advice is outdated and not relevant anymore. Or two, it suits their values and not yours. So I've seen a lot of people, my whole, I mean, my whole message is around being who you want to be. And that starts with questioning absolutely everything. And if someone's telling you, you should be doing this, or you need to be getting onto this, just stop for a moment and think why. And then ask yourself what results it's got for that person. And are they happy in their life? It might be that they're happy in their life. And if they are, then ask yourself, what are their values and what are my values? What do I want out of life? And do I want the same thing? And is that thing going to give me the same result? If the answer is no to that, take the advice with a pinch of salt and go and do your own thing. And it's, it's really as simple as that. If more people just stopped and questioned things and for you're telling me advice, but you don't really have the outcome I want or the same values as me. So I'm going to do something different. The world that would be filled with a lot happier people. And, uh, you know, I could reel them off, get on the property ladder. People get on the property ladder too, too, way before they need to, or they become resentful, you know, and and it goes to silly things like your parents telling you to drive, learn in a manual car because automatically, you know, then you can drive both. Well, there's not going to be manual cars soon. (laughs) it's relevant information just based on what you thought was good and i've gone along with it so it it cost me more in my driving lessons and it took me much longer to pass my test thanks now i'm driving an automatic yeah yeah and it's it's just things like that exactly the advice that i give my daughters learn first in the in the manual (laughs) yeah (laughs) right yeah right so and there's nothing like you can't blame you for doing that because that's just what your values were program yeah good idea but it's just being able to go okay why you know why and really question it and then connect it with the motive or motivation 
of that person and see how it fits them and then see how it fits your mission and what you want out of life and you'll see some differences and then you can kind of compare the two and just here's another here's a novel idea come up with your own <laughs> thought on it because not many people do that they just mm. hear this and hear that and then they go that's the right thing to do my dogs are barking sorry i see that some you've had a delivery yeah oh is there <laughs> uh, yeah so um so yeah i think a real powerful skill is be a, being able to take two bits of information and then create a synthesis and make and come up with your own uh conclusion to that so that you can make informed decisions that, that are aligned with what you want out of life. Great. Uh, yeah. Rather than going, oh, I, t- I took this information, but it just, you know, it's just not working. I'm just pissed off. And uh, yeah. yeah We're trying to just copy some or emulate somebody else that, you know, just because he's successful, but he lives a different type of lifestyle or has different yeah, values. Yeah, absolutely. Or societal idealisms, you know, we must save the planet. Well, if you, if you don't feel passionate about saving the planet, then don't, pretend that you do just go and do something and then you can focus on saving the planet later when you've got more time and more money yeah and um, tell me <laughs> this jason how would how can people find you um you've got various things out there so i just thought i'd let you uh tell us the best place to find jason Greystone. Yeah, I mean, I do some educational videos on my YouTube channels, just Jason Greystone. Um, but I normally just uh, refer people to my podcast. So uh, it's called Always Free. It went straight to number one on iTunes, which I was really happy with. And uh, if you do go and listen to it, just start at episode one, because like one to 20 is kind of a, a strategy, if you like, and you'll get mo- more from that podcast if you listen from episode one. Brilliant. Good stuff, Jason. Well, look, great talking to you. And uh, and you. Wish you the best of luck with everything. We'll speak again soon. Yeah, thanks, mate. Take care. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with uh, Jason and um, plenty of lessons in there to be learned. I'm going to put a lot of uh, links to various things on the show notes. So if you're looking for Jason's YouTube channel or if you're looking for a link to his podcast or his Instagram, you can find that in the show notes. I've also put a link to his course. And uh, so you can go and check out the course. It's called Tears of Freedom. And that's tears with a T-I-E-R-S. So basically levels. And as he mentioned, he, he kind of has his wealth kind of organized in a pyramid and the sort of tiers. And so the lowest tier and you go up as you get kind of more expertise, you start to kind of move up into speculation. And and uh, like I know Jason has made a few quid on crypto and things like that. So some of you guys might be interested in checking some of that out. Just to go back also on the um, that the talk about the fraud and uh, the fact that there's people out there letting on to be me, scammers. This um, The company that I'm a member of called Cashel Fund, just to be clear, it does not have a website. There's no official website for that company. So when you look it up online and you see a website, it's completely fake. What The one that you see, it has an address. It's the correct address. They've gone and got it all correct. It's called a clone website. And if you read down through that, they've even gone and put tweets out like to advice on how to build wealth and stuff. And it's just incredible the lengths that these people go to. And um, and the letter that was sent to this person who lost the, the money actually was signed by me at the bottom. Now, it wasn't me who signed it, but it was my name at the bottom of the of the letter. 
um, letting on to be the CEO of this fund. So be very careful, guys, out there. I don't want anyone to be losing money. And I know a lot of you are saving up to invest in your first property. And so do be careful with that because, you know, I know how hard you guys have all worked to put that kind of nest egg together. Right, so that's it, guys. That's the end of this week's episode of Behind the Facade. Thank you so much for listening. You'll find web links, as I mentioned, in the show notes below. My number one ask of you, assuming you found this episode useful, is to share it out to just one friend who you think might benefit or enjoy it. Uh, Alternatively, if you're not going to do that, maybe you would leave a review or give us a five-star rating. Um, wherever you listen to the podcast. This really helps get the, the podcast noticed by the algorithm and it picks it up and it boosts listenership, which obviously is the goal here. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover on future episodes, please connect with me via my Facebook group, Behind the Facade Community, which incidentally I'm thinking to change to Behind the Facade Club because, um, well, I'll go into that in uh, another day. But um, as I mentioned, I'm going to be setting up this Clubhouse account and I'm probably going to create like a, a club over there so people can come in for the weekly interactive Q&A. Uh, and as always, guys, you'll find me on pretty much everywhere in the web under the name Gavin J. Gallagher. Obviously, I've got my YouTube channel, PropTech TV as well. So that's it, guys. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, remember, if you want to sort of stay in uh, up to date on events that are happening, I've got a meetup uh, group now and uh, our meetup page, or whatever you want to call it. And so you can find more details there. Uh, just go to meetup.com forward slash Gavin J. Gallagher. And uh, that's it, guys. Hope you have a great week and we'll speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.